0: Our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, which is on page 1092 of the Church Bibles. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city.
1: We on? Oh, we are. Good. Let's move that out of the way. Happy New Year to you all. You. So we begin our series in Acts this morning, um, which is my privilege to kind of kick us off. Um, does anyone remember when movies used to be about an hour and a half long? Do you all remember that? It, I, I didn't make that up. There was a time, wasn't there, when a movie was an hour and a half long, and um, that was satisfying. Um, Me and my kids um, and Hannah intermittently watched the uh, twin saga of the Avengers uh, Infinity War plus Endgame, um, which is about six hours of film footage, for those of you that haven't endured it, Um, and uh, we we kind of finished watching that. We watched the second movie in two parts, didn't we, because we kind of got a bit tired. I would just split it there. We ended up watching it in three sittings. And uh, it it struck me that um, when we think about Acts, um, we think of it sometimes as a book in its own right rather than Volume 2 of the Gospel of Luke, which I'm sure most of you know that that's the case, but some of you might not know that. So Luke wrote both books, and it's helpful, I think, to think of it not as a second book just all in its own right that stands alone, but actually as the companion volume, like Endgame is the companion film to Infinity War. It's an unfinished story if you stop at the end of the Gospel of Luke, and actually the story continues into Acts. And that just might be helpful, because sometimes I guess the argument would be for the directors of Avengers that the story was too complex to tell in in a 90-minute slot, and they needed the time. They needed the time because the story was just bigger than that. And I think that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about Acts. And I'm so pleased that we are beginning with Acts at the beginning of this new year. We've spent a lot of last year reflecting on the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is, um, what he means to us, um, how he works and moves in our lives. And so to me, it seems entirely right that we journey into a new year with Acts as we reflect together on what it means to be the church in today's world. We've just celebrated a birth, haven't we? We've just celebrated the birth of Jesus at Christmas. Um, And here we have another birth, uh, the birth of the church, one of a series of births throughout the story of the Bible, beginning in Genesis, through Abraham and Isaac, through Moses, right through to Jesus, and then to the birth of the church, and ultimately to the rebirth um, that we find in Revelation. Um, So this is another birth narrative that we have in front of us here at the beginning of Acts. Um, And at this kind of point in the year, it's common, isn't it, for us to kind of pause for a moment, consider the road that's ahead of us. Uh, Thinking about 2023, which sounds like a kind of futuristic number, doesn't it? Reflect on our regrets and our fears from the year behind, the hopes and dreams for the year ahead, to make resolutions and promises about how we intend to be better versions of ourselves this year, how we might seek to grow. And I feel like the apostles at the beginning of Acts are faced with a what next moment here. What happens now? Talk about a new year moment. What happens now? What a dramatic moment. What happens now? Our Savior is leaving us. What do we do now? It's it's just worth empathizing, I think, with the apostles this morning. Wow, what a scary and intimidating moment to step out into this new world and your savor is is gone or seems to be going. I think it's a moment of crisis for some of them. If you look at the question that they ask, is the new kingdom happening now? They're kind of freaking out slightly. What's going on? Explain to us what's happening. Um, And I empathize, and I don't know whether you empathize this morning in a kind of smaller way, kind of there's a year stretching out in front of you. And some of you might be like me asking, okay, what happens now? What happens now? And we might be longing for some guidance this morning. And I think there's some guidance in here for us. I think there's some guidance in here for us. You'll be happy to know. So the invitation, I think, of this passage is to pause, is to reflect, see what it might have to say to us see how it might help us to navigate the things that are ahead. Um, This book is often called The Acts of the Apostles. I don't know if you've ever heard it called The Acts of the Apostles. Um, It's a slightly misleading title, I think. I'm going to explain why. Um, A little bit like when we did The Prodigal Father, Prodigal Son, we talked about how The Prodigal Son is a bit of a misleading title sometimes for that that story, and it's more about the prodigal father. And I think Acts of the Apostles, I think, is a little bit of a tricky title as well um, that it's given, because it suggests that it's all about the apostles, that they're the protagonists in the story. But if you look again at how this book begins, Luke, I think, is trying to make the point that this book is a continuation of the work of Jesus. Have you noticed that? He begins by saying, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do, began to do, and to teach until the day He was taken up to heaven. That was just the prequel. The Gospel of Luke is what Jesus began to do. And therefore, the Acts is what He is now doing and continues to be doing, Jesus Christ So this is actually not Acts of the Apostles as a separate story to the Gospel of Luke. This is the story of King Jesus, Volume 2. Can we agree on that as we journey into this book this year? This is the story of King Jesus, Volume 2, what he does next, what he does next. It just so happens that he uses the Apostles in order to bring about his designs for the world, and you and I too, of course. We are living the story of Volume 2, King Jesus. We're all actors in this movie. We're all Avengers in Endgame, King Jesus, Part 2. It's good news, isn't it? It's good news. A bit daunting as well. <laughs> a bit daunting. Um, but that's, that's the book that we're studying um, as we journey ahead as, as the church this year. That's, that's the, the book that's ahead of us. It's the second installment. Um, And so, what is there in here for us to help us? Well, um, I think there are, in time-honored tradition, at least three good things that we could learn. Nothing changes. Even in 2023, human beings like a three-part talk. It feels complete to us, Um, probably because of the Trinity and the way that we're made, but that's a whole different thing. Um, Let's... Find three things here that might help us as we journey as God's people to continue this story of King Jesus, Volume 2, also known as the Book of Acts, and our lives, and the life of the church. So um, let's have a look. First of all, first point, I've completely lost my notes, here I are. Um, Let's look at the instructions that are given to the apostles as they journey into this, this story. Okay, first of all, let's look at how they're told to begin. The first thing they're told to do is to return to Jerusalem. you notice that? Can you imagine for a second how much they don't want to be in Jerusalem right now? You remember the road to Emmaus, that there were two disciples leaving Jerusalem, because it's like, it's done, it's finished, we're off. Partly, perhaps, because they're afraid of what happens next. You know, there's been this kind of mini-revolution. It's been so-called crushed by the oppressive regime, the Romans, and the Jewish authorities, you know, you can imagine that they're very much alert to any kind of whisperings of this this Messiah Jesus movement taking hold in Jerusalem of all places. You'd imagine they'd be high alert, wouldn't you? Being in Jerusalem right now is not a great place to be if you're a follower of Christ. It's probably the last place you want to be. They probably want to stay on the mountain where they are right now with Jesus in relative safety and comfort. But Jesus says, go back to where it all started. Go back to the center. Go back to the center, their spiritual center. As Jewish men, Jerusalem is their spiritual home. It's where the temple is. Go back there. It's the place that was promised to Moses. Go back to where it all began and reroute yourself. Reroute yourself for the work that is to come. It's a nice thought. There's a whole study here about why Jesus asks them to do that, which I haven't got time for, which is fine. But it's something to do with the new kingdom coming out of the old. The new kingdom coming out of the old. The new covenant coming out of the old. And so there's certainly symbolic meaning in selling to them, go back to Jerusalem. Um, But for us, I think, if we're going to draw something from this this morning, can I suggest to you that one of the calls might be as we enter a new year, go back to the spiritual center, is maybe something that Jesus is saying to us this morning. I don't think that means that we all need to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, which would be lovely, Uh, um, but rather that we should seek to recenter ourselves in this new year on His Word, on prayer on community, on church, it's a call, I think, to recenter ourselves. And if I may, I think Acts is a bit like Jerusalem in the Scriptures, because if you're a, um, a Christian who's not uh, Jewish in this sense, this is your spiritual Jerusalem, right? Acts is when the church was born. It's the center of the church's story. It's where it all begins. So going back to Jerusalem for us might mean spending some time in Acts. And going back to the beginning of where the church was founded. So, I think it's apt that we're doing that. Tim, I hope you agree. (laughs) It's your decision. Um, But it's where it all begins for us. And I'd like you all to imagine an image. Because it's been really helpful for me as I've reflected on this, this scripture. I want you to all just close your eyes for a moment. And just imagine a really, really still lake. A body of water. A really still lake. And I want you to imagine a kind of rock that's dropped, large rock that's dropped in the center of that lake. And how from that center point, the ripples come outwards and spread throughout the entire body of water, even forming this small wave that laps right up to the shore's edge. That's an image of what it means to be a witness for God in this world. And it's the image that came to me when I was reading the scripture. Because you'll notice, if we come back to the scripture here, the command is go back to Jerusalem. Let's see if I can find it. Go back to Jerusalem, and I'm in verse 8. And you will be my witnesses. Look at the order of this. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now if you look at a map of the ancient world at this point, what that does is form concentric circles of influence. Jerusalem is at the center, then Judea is the immediate surrounding territory of of allies, and then Samaria is a kind of conflicting enemy territory but neighboring, and then to the ends of the earth. Do you see the image? These ripples that go out from the center. And Jesus is saying, if you start in the center, you can ripple out, even into enemy territory, even to the very ends of the earth, and be my witnesses. And that is basically what Acts is about. It is that ripple effect all the way through. And it's exactly what happens, which is why we're here in Bath today, a long way from Jerusalem, still talking about Jesus. What a fantastic thing that happened. And we're invited to do that too. So our witness begins here. I don't know, some of you might be visiting, but for lots of us, this is our spiritual home. This is the center. It begins here, doesn't it? And it begins here. And from here, it ripples out as we go out into the world in ever-expanding circles of witness. The stronger the heart, the stronger the center, the wider that those ripples can go. Is a thought for us this morning. It's a bit analogous. I hope you're kind of with me there. It's an encouragement. Let's think about that as a church this year. Second idea, second instruction. This is the one I find really hard because I'm a hyperactive character. He says, go to Jerusalem and then wait for the gift, wait for the gift, had to do some repenting on this, (laughs) particularly this morning, I was convicted of this this morning, Um, I'm a kind of active person, I'm a busy person, I'm good at being busy, Uh, Hannah and I were talking about my stress bucket yesterday and her observation was that I've got quite a big stress bucket, I've got quite a big job, I'm good at handling busy stressful times, what I'm not good at is waiting for the gift, And I think lots of people in the modern age struggle to wait for the gift. Can you imagine how anxious they are to get going? Imagine Peter, want to roll up his sleeves. He's just been reinstated. Come on, let's go. He's well up for it. Go back to Jerusalem and wait for the gift. It's about 10 days between this and Pentecost. It must have been agonizing for somebody like Peter. Wait for the gift maybe there's a word in here for us this morning as well. It's a reminder that we do not step alone into this new year. We have a helper, a friend, an advocate. We have a guide. Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, wants to minister to us. He wants to move through us. He wants to empower us. But we have to wait for the gift sometimes. We have to wait for the gift. Jesus tells them to wait, to listen for his leading, to make sure that when they do act, it's his actions, not theirs. It's the acts of King Jesus, not acts of the apostles. That is why they have to wait. He does not want them to strike out on their own and go in all their different directions with all their enthusiasm and zeal. He says, wait, make sure you're traveling in my direction before you step out. And maybe he's saying something similar to you and me this morning. We have to sometimes just wait for the gift. Point two. I'm going quickly now. Point three. Third instruction, which is kind of a counterbalance to the two, I think. Um, <laughs> it's probably my favorite bit of the, of the passage. There's a moment when Jesus has ascended and all the apostles are stood looking intently at the sky. It says, whoa, where's he gone? where's he gone? And, and then t- two angels appear <laughs> and tell them off. It's, I've got a silly sense of humor. I'm sorry. I imagine it like a movie. You know, if like enough people stare, you'd kind of come along and kind of, you, everyone would suddenly just be look, looking at the sky. And I like the idea that these angels appear. And then for a moment, they don't quite notice them because everyone's like, where's Jesus gone? Where's he gone? And they're all frozen. And I, I'm sorry, silly sense of humor. You know, angels like. <clears throat> and then what did they say to them? Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Love that question. Don't you love that question? Why do you stand here looking into the sky? That's I what I would be doing. It's like, Can you still see him? Is he coming back now? Why are you looking into the sky? It's a gentle chastisement. But it is a chastisement. Christ has ascended and the apostles are all stood together looking up at the sky. And what they're saying is, that's not where the work is. Work's here. The work's here. It's not up there. It's not up there. I imagine the temptation for some of them would be to build an altar where Jesus, oh, this is the place where Jesus ascended, let's build an altar, let's form a small religious community on this mountain, and live the rest of our days just kind of waiting for Jesus to come back. You can imagine that would be a human temptation, wouldn't you? Do you see? It's what you'd want to do, let's build an altar, let's form a monastic community, and stay here on the site of the ascension, and just wait for Jesus to return. But that's not what we're called to do. I'm not you know, saying that people who live in monastic communities are wrong. Of course I'm not. But I don't think that's the primary mission of the church. Why are you stood here? And sometimes it can be a bit like that for us, if I may. You know, if our Christian experience is coming on a Sunday and just looking up, and I'm not saying we shouldn't worship and we shouldn't adore. Of course we should. But if that's the sum total of our acts, then we're not really fulfilling what Jesus wants us to be. Do we agree on that? You hear what I'm saying? There's a tension there, isn't there? Of course we need to wait for the Spirit. Of course we need to gather at the center. But if we just stay there, we're not being those ripples in the lake. We're just being the center. And that's not what we're called to do. We can't spend our Christian walk just looking intently into the sky not what we're called to do. We're not called to build altars, enact religious ceremonies on holy sites. These are trappings of religion. They're not what Jesus wants us to do, I don't think. Being a follower of Christ is a call to action. It's to join with this mission of ever-expanding circles of witness. That's what we're called to do. And so we must guard ourselves this year, I believe, of finding ourselves stuck in the center, just looking up at the sky. point made. (laughs) You know, there's kind of theological point here in that some Christians believe that the point of being a Christian is kind of living a nice life and then going up to heaven to join Jesus. That's not the description of it in the scriptures. That's not how it goes. Jesus ascended so that he could come back and create a new heaven and a new earth. It's not the ultimate goal for you and I just to go to heaven one day and join Jesus in the clouds. That isn't the promise That's why the angels say, why are you still looking up there? He's going to come back. So get busy. So get busy because our gaze needs to be here as we prepare for his return. So, as we look ahead to our new year, let's begin three things. Let's return to the center. Let's return to the center. Okay. Let's study the word together. Let's pray. Let's worship together. Let's love one another. And then let's wait for the gift Let's seek the gift so that the Spirit might empower us, but only so that we can then go out in concentric circles from this place into the world, beginning with our families and our close friends and then into our workplaces and our schools and our communities and then throughout Bath and then in our nation and indeed as far as we are called and we are able to the very ends of the earth. That is what we are called to do. That's what it means to be the church And I'm really looking forward to learning more about what that means as we study Acts together this year. To me, it sounds like a pretty exciting New Year's resolution. So good job, Father Tim. Nice choice. Really looking forward to it. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the book of Acts. We thank you that it's your book. We thank you that they are your works. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to continue to perform Acts in our lives, in our community, in our relationships. Draw near to us as we wait for you this morning. Empower us so that we might ripple out from this place and be witnesses to who you are. Thank you that you use us. Help us to return to the center, to worship you, to learn more about you. And even as we gather this morning for bread and wine, help us to recenter, to wait for your Spirit, and then send us out, Lord. Amen.